Welcome to Bible Quest. This is the Wednesday edition. Jeff, take it away. Good afternoon. I am Jeff Smelser in Exton, Pennsylvania, and Joe Works, you are not in Elmire, New York. I am not currently. I'm actually in Sayre, Pennsylvania, which is a uh, neighboring uh, town to Elmira, but uh, uh, in the in my truck, so hopefully that won't be too much difficulty here. So to our listeners and viewers, um, Elmira, New York sits r right on the southern border of upstate New York, just above the, the Pennsylvania state line. And so, Joe, you're just below the state line in Pennsylvania there. And um, so you're up. Maybe people have heard about these wildfires in Canada and all the smoke, and you really are experiencing it up there, I think, much more significantly so than we are here. Uh, it's it's really bad. Um, uh, I did a little bit of outside work earlier today, and uh, yeah, it's kind of a, a choking situation if you're out for very long. Um, so, so you just but, felt like you didn't even need your second pack of cigarettes today then, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, unfortunately, it did remind me of being in certain places as a child um uh, when uh, smoking was permitted in restaurants and so forth um uh, that that's almost the, the the feeling that i had time times do change you know smoking is one of those things that's changed we see so much in the world that's getting worse um but but you know smoking is one thing that has become um socially unacceptable in a lot of places yeah at least cigarettes and uh yeah. yeah. Well, that's true. <laughs> well, it's a good thing to get cigarettes, but now, now marijuana is becoming very socially acceptable. So, yeah. Oh, well, and uh, vaping. It, well, uh, we're in Acts chapter 28 today. Um, so Paul uh, has been taken prisoner in Jerusalem and then transferred to Caesarea and then appealed to Rome and appealed to Caesar. And so he's been put on a ship. And last week we followed his voyage as far as the island of uh, Malta, now last week uh, when they landed on the island, they didn't know what island it was, but uh, chapter 28, verse 1, we're going to find out what island it is. I'm just going to share this map real quickly here, and we'll see where we are. So this would be the island of Malta right here. And so they have traveled from Caesarea up this way and along this way and then here and came down and wanted to winter at Phoenix, tried to get there, got blown off course down into toward the north coast of Africa, were afraid they would be stranded in, on the um, sand sand sandbars of the Certus Major, um, but the storm blew them to the island of Malta. And so that's where we're going to pick it up in verse one joe you want to read for us the first uh first six verses now when they had escaped they then found out that the island was called malta and the natives showed us unusual kindness for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold but when paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand so when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer whom, though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up and suddenly fall down dead. 
But after they looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Yeah, okay. What do you want to talk about? There's several things we can talk about in this section. What, what would you like to talk about? So to me, the, the biggest thing, and we've noted this on several instances in the last, uh, I don't know, six or seven chapters, especially with uh, comparisons to the things that are happening to Paul and the things that happened to uh, Jesus. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and to me, this one just really maybe uh, very fitting that it's in Luke's last chapter of the second book um uh, you know we're at the end of uh, of the story for for what we know of Paul and so you have um gathering a bundle of sticks and so he's carrying wood um uh, a snake bites him the snake fastens onto his hand it specifically calls out his hand fastens onto his hand the snake then is thrown into the fire and Paul suffers no harm that sounds very much like if I were going to describe the story of Jesus and the crucifixion Jesus comes carrying the cross Satan has attacked Jesus's hands in particular his hands and his feet and yet Jesus is resurrected, suffers no harm in the end, and uh, ultimately then you have a picture of Satan being cast down, as, uh, as John talks about, that at the, res at the resurrection, Satan would be cast down. Uh, and so I think this imagery that you have, both going, maybe going all the way back to the garden uh, uh, accounts, and also then especially to uh, the, the crucifixion uh, of, of our Lord and Savior. So would you tie it into Genesis 3.15 and what the Lord says to the woman when he says, uh, or rather what he says to the, the serpent when he's speaking not to the animal, but he's speaking to the Satan who animated the, who spoke through the serpent. And the Lord says, the seed of woman shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. Would you connect it with that? Yeah, I think so. You know, what we're finding happening is what, what happened to Jesus is what happens to his disciples in many ways because they're followers of mm -hmm. Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Paul's going to talk about in Galatians uh, 6 that he bears the marks of Jesus in his body. And mm -hmm. uh, I think, you know, that was written before Acts 28. But, but that same idea, I think, would carry forth. And so what we see Genesis 3 pointing toward Jesus, we also see even that fulfillment in those who follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that, of course, just to make this observation, we've made it many times, Paul does something here, or at least he is unaffected by this viper bite um, that then provides some credibility to him as a messenger from God. And that's typically true of these supernatural things that uh, the, the apostles did. It was to vouch for them as messengers of God. And in fact, they, they, they say he's a God in verse 6. And that reminds me of back in, uh, in Lystra uh, when Paul was there. Was it Acts chapter 14? When Paul was in Lystra and um, the people decided that he and Barnabas were gods after they had done a miracle. And um, kind of a similar thing here. Are you still with me, Joe? It looks like your picture's frozen. All right, well, maybe we'll get Joe back here in just a moment. Um, 
you know, there's some other things that in this paragraph that we might talk about. I see, Joe, you're back with us. Um, do we want to spend any time? It is said that there are no venomous snakes on this particular island. Um, do we want to spend any time talking about that, or do we want to go on? Well, lost Joe again. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to talk a little bit about it just real quickly, um, and I'm going to I'm going to pull this back up here this map that we had on screen and just go through this briefly um so today there are no venomous snakes on the island of malta and so some people will say well here's something in the bible that couldn't be true there's several possible explanations one is that there used to be venomous snakes and they became extinct but there's no evidence um of, of snakes in ancient times on this island either um so another possible explanation would be an isolated specimen was carried in with cargo from a ship or driftwood uh because there are venomous snakes in the region though today not on this island uh, but locals knew this snake and what to expect from its bite in verse four when the barbarians saw the creature hanging from his hand they said one to another no doubt this man is a murderer from whom whom though he has escaped from the sea yet justice hath not suffered to live and then they were surprised and amazed when nothing happened to him so they they recognized that what had bitten him was something that could cause problems and they expected it to do so the point is they were familiar with this snake and that would say that it's unlikely that this was just an isolated snake um, that has shown up. Uh, some people say, well, maybe it's not the island of Malta that's being referenced here. It's another island known as Melita, or Melita, I'm not sure how to pronounce M-L-J-E-T. There is this snake that is very venomous, um, and it, it is, I don't know how to pronounce this, Vipera amodites, amodites, something like that. And this is just from a Wikipedia article about this snake that is found in the Adriatic, uh, in that region, and it talks about the symptoms of its of its bite, and that they are serious. Um, so some people say there is this other island that was so heavily infested with this viper that we were just looking at that they had to bring in a predatory mongoose in 1910 to control the population. But that doesn't make sense geographically because that island is way well the, the island malta is down here and the island where these snakes are and uh, that has a similar name is way up here and if paul was being driven toward the certus major his ship was and then it ends up on malta that makes a lot more sense and his ensuing trip up to syracuse and then on up through this way to italy makes more sense if he's going from malta so uh my guess is it wasn't just an isolated snake, but that there were a few of these snakes in ancient time that were carried in with cargo ships, um, and they there were sufficient numbers of them to become known to the locals, but an insufficient number to become a thriving population and leave a footprint historically. Maybe that's not the explanation, but there are various possible explanations. So, Joe, I'm glad you're back with us. We just talked about the the vipers. So now we can yeah. Yeah, I caught the I caught the tail end of that, and, and would agree that um, uh, you know what is recorded, and particularly with animals transporting, um, uh, we've certainly seen a number of other examples of that throughout history. Of sometimes they remaining and and 
populating and sometimes them not. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. So uh, the other thing that I want to notice here, though, is in verse four, when it says the people thought that justice has not suffered him to live and that justice had sent this uh, snake. So do, does the, is the word justice capitalized in your Bible? Well, we've lost Joe again. Hopefully we will get him back in a moment. Um, but apparently when they say justice, they're not talking about the abstract concept of justice, but rather a God that they knew of as justice and, and who would be a God of justice. And so that's apparently the reference. In any event, let's come on down. Well, mine to is not, no. Yours does not capitalize it? Well, let's come on down to verse seven. Sorry, folks, for the, the tr trouble we're having today. Joe is out of pocket today, and so he's having a little bit of, of uh, connection problem. Uh, verse seven. Now, in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us three days courteously. And it was so that the father of Publius lay sick of fever and dysentery, Unto whom Paul entered in and prayed, and laying his hands on him, healed him. And when this was done, the rest also that had diseases in the island came and were cured. And of course, Joe, Joe has been making the connections between Paul's, um, Paul's efforts and what we see in the life of Jesus. And we can think of various occasions when Jesus crowds would come to Jesus, bringing the sick to him that he might heal them. Verse 10. They also honored us with many honors, and when we sailed, they put on board such things as we had need, they had needed. Um, and so this is in the winter, and the uh, winter of 58, the fall actually, it's in October when they, when they had left, as best I can tell, when they left Caesarea. And then, of course, they've been traveling here for a few weeks now, uh, two weeks in this storm. And they're going to spend three months here, verse 11 says, on this island. So after three months, we set sail on the ship of Alexandria, which had wintered in the island, whose sign was the twin brothers. And so I'm going to put this map back on screen. Joe, do we have you back? Uh, I hope, but we'll see. <laughs> All right. I think I heard you then and I saw you also. All right, so they wintered three months in Malta, and at the end of three months, they set sail. And they're going to travel up to Syracuse, and then verse 13 is going to say, from there we sailed around and arrived at Regium, and a day later a south wind sprang up, and on the second day we came to Puteoli. So we'll get them up to Puteoli, like that. And then uh, it says in verse 14, there we found some brethren and were invited to stay with them for seven days, and thus we came to Rome. And the brethren, when they heard about us, came from there as far as the market of Appius and three inns to meet us. And when Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. And when we entered Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who was guarding him. So here is the market of Appius, and here's three taverns. And, of course, he's making his way to Rome. Okay, uh, so anything in those passage in the, the reading down to verse 16 that you want to talk about joe uh, i don't think so but maybe just for for brethren that are um uh, following along I, I think the end of verse 15 um you know sometimes we talk about following the biblical pattern and uh 
welcoming brethren, encouraging them, uh, seeing Paul's reaction. I, I think we should include that when we talk about uh, following the biblical pattern of looking for people who maybe have suffered in specific ways. Uh, I know that there have been Well, just uh, you're breaking up uh, again, but just to to make, I, I appreciate the point you're making, and, and the fact is, when you are going through hardship, to have brethren reach out to you and offer assistance, brethren you've never even met before, um, that is very very encouraging, and Paul is encouraged by this. And uh, all right, so let's come to verse seventeen. It came to pass that after three days, he called together those that were the chief of the Jews. And when they were come together, he said to them, I, brethren, though I had done nothing against the people or the customs of our fathers, yet was delivered prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who, when they had examined me, desired to set me at liberty because there was no cause of death in me. But when the Jews spoke against it, I was constrained to appeal unto Caesar. Not that I had anything whereof to accuse my nation. For this cause, therefore, did I entreat you to see and to speak with me. For because of the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. Okay, so Paul arrives in Rome. But again, as we've seen throughout this ordeal, Paul is, is not a, a prisoner being treated the way we're accustomed to prisoners being treated today. He was allowed, as soon as he was arrested, he was allowed to speak to the to the people from the steps of the Roman barracks. Um, he, he has had opportunity to speak repeatedly to the governors, um, Felix, and, and Felix repeatedly for two years. Of course, Felix was hoping to get money from Paul. And then Festus is inclined to ask Paul, uh, do, are you willing to go uh, to Jerusalem to, to address the, the Jew, Jewish council there? And of course, uh, Paul was not. Um, he is allowed to speak to Festus and Agrippa and a whole host of noble people. When he is put on the ship to sail to Rome, he is uh, accompanied by Luke and Aristarchus. Um, and deference is given to Paul by the Roman centurion who, um, who has custody of Paul, so much so that when they shipwreck and, and the soldiers want to kill all the prisoners so that none of them escape, the centurion is wanting to save Paul. So he says, no, let's not kill any of them. And so maybe it's not too surprising that, that now that he's in Rome, he is allowed to call for the Jewish, the leaders of the Jewish people in Rome and, um, and, and talk with them. And he just kind of lays out the story of why he is here in Rome and what he's been accused of. And after he does, or, or the fact that he's been accused and there was no grounds, no basis to the accusation. And then after he does that, their response is interesting in verse 21. They said to him, we neither received letters from Judea concerning you, nor did any of the brethren come here and report or speak any harm of you. They said, we've not heard anything about this. Nobody's told us anything about you. But they say in verse 22, we desire to hear of you what you think. For as concerning this sect, it is known to us that everywhere it is spoken against. So that's interesting. 
of course, there are already are Christians in Rome, but as uh, the, Paul has this encounter with the leading Jews, they are familiar with these Christians, which they know of as a sect. And you'll remember back earlier in, in chapter 24, Paul had said this uh, to Felix. He said, this I confess to you that after the way which they call a sect, so serve I the God of our fathers, believing all things which are according to the law and which are written in the prophets. The idea of a sect is, is a part of something. Think of a sector of a circle, like a pie-shaped slice of it. And so what they mean by sect is you've got the Jewish religion, and within the Jewish religion you have the sect of the Pharisees and you have the sect of the Sadducees. And that's the way Jews throughout the Mediterranean world were viewing Christianity is just another sect of the Jews, even though by this time many Gentiles have become followers, have become citizens of the kingdom of God. It was still thought of in the minds of these, these people apparently in Rome as a sect of the Jews. I suppose it's possible by sect, they just mean um, religious sect, but the fact that the Jews have heard of it and are specifically and especially interested in it, I think that suggests they're also seeing it as a Jewish sect. It's just a, a Jewish sect. Uh, it's just, they just see it as a sect of Jews who believe Jesus is the Messiah. And, um, of course, they didn't. So, so they want to hear about this. All right, so that brings us to verse 23. They've, they've appointed a day for Paul to... Um, for Paul to speak to them. And so we'll pick up the reading in verse 23. When they had appointed him a day, they came to him into his lodging in great number, to whom he expounded the matter, testifying the kingdom of God and persuading them concerning Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets from morning till evening. So we've seen this previously. When Paul would go into a city and he would go into the synagogue, <clears throat> He would reason from the Old Testament scriptures. I'm thinking especially of Acts chapter 17, where Paul came into Thessalonica and he went to the synagogue there. Um, well, it, it actually just, yes, it says to the synagogue there in, in chapter 17, verse 1. And then verse 2 and 3, Paul, as his custom was, went in unto them and for three Sabbath days reasoned with them from the scriptures opening and alleging that it behooved the Christ, the Messiah, to suffer and to rise again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom said he, I proclaim unto you, is the Christ. So he would turn to the scriptures, which the Jews knew, and say, look, here's what the scriptures say about the Christ who is to come and about the coming kingdom, and I'm telling you Jesus is the Christ, um, and that uh, he has been raised from the dead and confirming his claim to being the Christ. So, uh, verse 24 says, some believed the things which were spoken, and some disbelieved. And when they agreed not among themselves, they departed after that Paul had spoken one word, well spake the Holy Spirit through Isaiah the prophet unto your fathers, saying, and then he quotes from Isaiah 6, go unto this people and say, by hearing you shall hear and shall in no wise understand, seeing you shall see and shall in no wise perceive, for this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they've closed, lest haply they should perceive with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and should turn again, and I should heal them. So he's acknowledging that 
for the most part, even those of these Jews were interested in hearing what Paul had to say, once they've heard it, they're not interested. There were some who were persuaded, but for the most part, they're not. And so as Paul had done in other cities, he said, you reject it, okay, then I'm going to turn to others, and that would be the Gentiles. And so here Paul says in verse 28, be it known therefore unto you that this salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles, and they will also hear. You can think back to the parables of Jesus where he talked about um, when the people to whom the people who had received the invitation to a feast rejected it, where they were busy with other things, that kind of thing. Then the, the invitation was going to go out to those in the highways and the byways and so on. And Jesus had alluded to the fact that if, if the people who had the first opportunity to receive the kingdom rejected it, there were others who would receive it. And so that's, that's what we see here. One thing I want to go back to, I mentioned that there are already Christians in Rome. How do we know that? Well, several ways, I'm sure. But just one thing, for example, back in Acts chapter 20, um, back in Acts chapter 20, when uh, the text says that Paul um, was in Macedonia, and then in verse 2, when he'd gone through those parts and he'd given much exhortation, he came into Greece, which is now Achaia, and, um, and Corinth is there. Those two verses describe the events that we see uh, in First and Second Corinthians when Paul is is on his way to Macedonia in First Corinthians, and in Second Corinthians he's arrived in Macedonia and says he's coming on down into Corinth, and 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 we we recognize that when Paul gets to Corinth, he writes the letter to the saints in Rome, and so he's writing the letter to the saints in Rome in connection with the events described in Acts chapter 20 and verse 2. That's when he writes that letter. And when he writes that letter, of course, he's acknowledging uh, the Christians who are in Rome. So when he, he gets here in Acts 28 and he calls the leaders of the Jews together, um, they've heard of this sect. There are Christians in Rome. And um, so that that uh, just making that connection to see how we know that. All right, uh, we've lost Joe. I think Joe's kind of given up on being able to have a reliable connection. So let's come down and get the last two verses of Acts chapter 28. It says, He abode two whole years in his own hired dwelling and received all that went in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness, none forbidding him. So he was free to teach even though he was um, under house arrest. Notice verse 30 says he had his own hired dwelling. So he's not in a dungeon. There's a soldier who guards him. Uh, he speaks of being in chains in some of the letters that he writes. Um, but he does have freedom to, to receive visitors, and he is preaching. Now, some people will make the mistake of saying that, well, this imprisonment only lasted two years. We don't know that. Uh, Luke ends his account here without telling us what comes of this. He doesn't tell us when Paul gets out, and apparently he does get out of prison at this time. He is released at this time. And the evidence for that is, is what we later see in First and Second Timothy and Titus, where apparently he's imprisoned again. There's evidence of that, and he ends up being put to death. But apparently between these two Roman imprisonments, he was free and did some traveling. Uh, but the point that I'm getting at is, 
when it says two years here in verse 30, that's not because this first imprisonment only lasted two years. Luke ends the story without telling us the outcome of this imprisonment because the outcome hasn't happened yet. And so we don't know how much longer uh, Paul was in prison before this imprisonment came to an end. But what we can surmise is that there were certain letters that Paul wrote while he was in prison in Rome at this time. And those letters would be um, Ephesians and Colossians and Philemon. And I mentioned those three, first of all, because they are all written at the same time and uh, carried by the same carrier, Tychicus, to their destinations. And then uh, Philippians, which is also written while Paul is prisoner in Rome, but apparently not at the same time that uh, Philemon and, and Colossians and Ephesians. I mentioned Tychicus, who is a courier of these letters, but also there's Onesimus, the runaway slave, who is mentioned in Philemon. And so he and Tychicus apparently traveled together from Rome with these letters uh, to deliver them to their destinations. And so that gets us to the end of Acts chapter 28. Um, sorry, we lost Joe today. Uh, let's just check. And I don't think he's back. We're also, by the way, missing Chase today. Uh, he's not feeling well today. So it's just me. So we've gotten here to the end of Acts chapter 28. Um, there's just one final thing that I, that I want to observe, and then we'll wrap this up for our study of the book of Acts. And that is, if you think back to the promises to Abraham, and God had said all families of the earth will be blessed in you. And that same thing was repeated in Genesis chapter 26 to Isaac, and it was repeated again to Jacob in, in Genesis 28. We see that from the get-go, God had in mind a seed of Abraham that would not be just defined in terms of his biological descendants, but would, would be determined or would be identified in terms of their faith, being like the faith of Abraham. The Gentiles would be included in the seed of Abraham. And so as you see Paul addressing Jews in each city and then here in Rome and, and many of the Jews in many places not being interested or rejecting the gospel and then Paul turning to the Gentiles. The idea isn't that, well, God wanted to have a Jewish kingdom, but since they rejected it, then he'll turn to the Gentiles. The Jews were the vehicle through whom God would bring the gospel to the world. It was a Jewish Messiah that came into the world. It was Jewish apostles. All of the apostles were Jews, and they were the ones through whom the message is sent out to the world. Uh, it was the Jewish scriptures that laid the foundation for understanding the kingdom and the king and the priesthood and all of those things. And so God is, is using the Jewish people to bring this blessing to all families of the earth or all nations of the earth as God had promised to Abraham. But it was God's intention all along that the message would go to Gentiles. And, and that's what we see happening here. I want to just turn to a couple of passages of, of Scripture. Uh, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 29. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 3 and verse 29. And actually, I'm going to start back in verse 26. Paul writes Galatians to uh, a largely Gentile audience. And in fact, to a Gentile audience made up of people who have been deceived to think that really the gospel is only for Jews and that if these Gentiles want in on it, they're going to have to start being circumcised and living like Jews. 
And Paul writes Galatians to say that's not the case. And he says in verse 26, you're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ Jesus did put on Christ. There can be neither Jew nor Greek. There can be neither bond nor free. There can be no male and female for you're all one man in Christ Jesus. If you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to promise. So even Gentiles are counted as descendants of Abraham uh, if they're in Christ. Uh, the way Paul says it in Romans chapter 4 is if they walk in the steps of the faith of Abraham. And so when we see Paul going to Rome and... Um, just as happened in these other cities where Jews rejected the gospel and Paul says, well, then I'm going to preach to Gentiles. That's not an afterthought. That was God's plan all along. And, and God is using Paul to accomplish that. All right. We've concluded our study of the book of, of Acts, Acts being part two of Luke's writings, the first part being the gospel of Luke, and then part two being the book of Acts. I'm not sure what we'll start with next week, um, but uh, Lord willing, we'll be back with you next week, and hopefully we'll have our full complement back. Hopefully we can get Joe uh, back with us with a good connection and Chase back with us, and so uh, we'll sign off for today. I'm Jeff Smelser. Thank you for being with us, and Lord willing, we will see you next week.